Sanbonani Dumelang, good evening and welcome to episode 221 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandunga Kumalo. If you're joining us for the first time, well, you've certainly missed out on quite a lot of great episodes that we have brought to your screens. So do make sure that you go to our Facebook and YouTube page to catch up on all the great property content that we've already aired. And to all our regular viewers, welcome to it, the hottest property uh, talk show, of course, in South Africa. We come to your screens every single weekday at 7 p.m. where we tackle a property issue that helps us better navigate our property journey. Doesn't matter whether you're a landlord, you're a tenant, you're looking to buy, to sell, or perhaps even build, this certainly is the show for you. As usual, you know how we like to make the property circle bigger. So do share this live with your friends and family if you're watching us on Facebook. Uh, so that they can also uh, catch what, of course, you are watching. Um, And of course, one of the great things that we love talking about here on the Private Property Podcast is the great competition that we are currently running. I am talking about the Sherlock Holmes hunt that is now in its ninth week. And all you have to do uh, for the Sherlock Holmes hunt is go to our website on www.privateproperty.co.za where you'll be able to find the clue that we also post across our social media platforms. And we want you to to crack the riddle so let us know where the riddle takes you and in the event where you get it right well you stand a chance of walking away with a five thousand rand voucher on friday right here on the private property podcast and because we said we love making things bigger and one of the other things we love making bigger is of course the winner's circle now we also give away a spot prize every wednesday and thursday of 500 rand in cash and that of course goes to somebody we call so you need to have entered the competition and in the event where we call your name you have to be watching us live so you can claim that prize so do make sure that you always stay tuned in and of course enter that competition and you might be walking away with that 500 rand in cash now the clue for the ninth week of the Sherlock Holmes hunt I think all the KZN uh, you know viewers are probably going to find this one easy I know in some weeks it's been the of wheels. Well, that is the riddle for week nine of our Sherlock Holmes hunt. All the best here at home. If you're going to enter this one. We do hope that you'll be able to crack the riddle. Now, of course, one of the other great things that you're able to look forward to every single evening isn't just the private property podcast with myself, Uzamandunga Kumalo, but also the other great shows that come to your screens at 8 p.m. As it is a Tuesday, Umbali Nogo will be bringing you the farming podcast uh, at 8 p.m. And that show comes to your screens on Tuesdays and on Thursdays. So if you've got some green fingers and you want to explore all things agriculture, then that is the show to tune into. Now, tomorrow evening at 8 p.m., Essie Classen will be conversation with somebody who's walked that first time home buying journey and you want to make sure that you tune into that one because it gives you a great sense of what other people went through when they bought their first property and some of the decisions that they had to make and some of the you know obstacles that probably stood in their way
had to overcome. And if you at home have a great story about that first property that you bought, then do slide into a DMs. Esther Clarkson may feature you on the first time home buyers show on Wednesday at 8 p.m. And on Mondays and Friday, Chad brings you the home shoppers show also at 8 p.m. So if you're in the market for a new property, well, that is a show that you simply do not want to miss out on. We certainly do have quite a lot of content for you on private property and across our social media platforms. So do continue engaging us uh, on social media, on our website. And of course, you can follow myself on social media at Zamantungwa underscore K on Twitter as well as on Instagram. Now to get started with our conversation this evening. This is one of those conversations that I think oftentimes we don't want to think about, uh, but we definitely need to know of because it can affect uh, whether yourself or perhaps even a loved one. And it's also just something you want to make sure that you are not only aware of, but you are alert about so that it doesn't happen to you. We're looking at, uh, you know, decoding real estate phishing scams. And I know that oftentimes there are so many different kinds of scams that uh, we can fall prey to and always have to be alert. Well, this evening we're going to be looking at how you go about spotting them. What are they? How exactly do they even look like? And how can we make sure that we safeguard ourselves as much as possible? And to you at home, I want to know if you've ever been scammed, especially when it relates to property. I know that there are all kinds of scams and all of us probably have you know, a story of how we were once scammed. Uh, but have you ever been scammed uh, when it comes to real estate? And if so, how did you go about resolving that? Well, to help us better understand this, I'm joined this evening by Mark Kutia, who's the head of group acquisition at Uber Home Loans. Mark, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. Evening, Zama. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. It's only a pleasure. Now, Mark, I think this is one of those topics that sometimes can be, uh, you know, very uncomfortable to talk about, but it's such a necessary conversation to have because we obviously don't want to, you know, fall prey to any kind of scam, especially right now. I mean, when I look at where we are, even from a financial perspective as, you know, consumers, this is the last... Uh, thing that we probably want to happen to you. Now, when we talk about real estate sort of phishing scams, what kinds of scams are we effectively talking about? Yeah, Zama, I mean, it's it's been a, a tough time for everybody, I suppose. And um, the fact that we're all working from home at the moment and we're doing these sorts of things um, on our laptops, you know, we're exposing ourselves uh, so much more to, to the ability for people to, to scam. So, I mean, in real estate, there's a couple of things that guys really have to watch out for. It's specifically where you're paying money in the form of a deposit or um, wherever somebody asks uh, a, a potential buyer to deposit money. Um, you know, these are the kind of things that guys are going to be really, really careful of. Um, it, make sure you do your due diligence on the agents that you're working with. Never pay money up front for anything that You know, um, Mark, I actually want us to, to look at the at the deposit factor because that one is, and we were even briefly talking about it off air, it's one of those, I want to say contentious, but you and I know that it's actually not so contentious. Uh, it's unfortunately that not a lot of people know how to best navigate it. Um, oftentimes, there are some buyers who want to uh, pay the deposit into an agent's account, and we know how unsafe that is. Perhaps take us through um, how buyers should be, you know, handling the deposit, how they should make sure where the deposit is going so they don't get scammed when it comes to their deposit. 
Yeah, good questions. I mean, in the property transaction cycle, uh, we um, 50% of property transactions are going to require a deposit. So depending on the bank's lending criteria, they may ask a buyer to put down a deposit, and, and generally that's around about 10% of, of the property uh, purchase price. Um, and there's ways that those that that, that deposit is, is requested. Um, I would absolutely... Um, do my, my due diligence and make sure that you're paying that money into a, uh, into a trusted source. Um, the, the problem that we're having in real estate at the moment is fraudsters are intercepting email communication. So the big problem that's, that's going around the market now is uh, somehow they're logging or they're, they're hacking into the system and the communication trail by email between the buyer, the real estate agent and the conveyancing attorney. And they're intercepting the communication. So they're timing the, the communication really, really well. They're finding out exactly when the deposit is due. And then they're impersonating uh, the conveyancing attorney. They're then saying, here you go. I'm the conveyancing attorney that's handling your transaction. Um, this is the amount that's due. Pay it into this bank account. And, and obviously, that bank account number that's sent by email is fraudulent. Uh, you make innocently make that deposit payment and... Um, before you know it, that, uh, that amount of money is transferred three or four times, disappears overseas, and, and you're uh, in a predicament where you've lost that deposit as a buyer. Um, it's reared its ugly head over the last couple of years and, and has become a lot more prevalent um, over the last little while while we're sitting in this um, unfortunate COVID situation. Mm. Phishing happens through communication channels like email. Um, those are the big dangers. Mm. And, you know, Mark, I think one of the things that I, I, I know would sometimes typically happen, especially when we, you know, obviously communicate via email, is often people get into a lot of public Wi-Fi hotspots. And those can be relatively, I'll say, dangerous in the context of, you know, hackers being able to gain access to what, what you're essentially doing on your machine. Um, you tend to find that a lot of these public Wi-Fi spots are not particularly secure. So when you sort of go onto them, you're exposing essentially yourself um, to, you know, yeah. potential hackers. I mean, I remember having a conversation with a, with a data scientist friend of mine who was saying they never log on to any public Wi-Fi at all because the majority of them just aren't secure enough and any hacker, they don't even have to be that sophisticated, um, can essentially, you know, get access to your details on your on your device, whichever one is logged onto that Wi-Fi uh, platform. And as you can imagine, so many of us are working at home. Some people are probably working, let's say, in coffee spots or and making use of uh, a lot of these public Wi-Fi hotspots. And unfortunately, it does mean that you're also opening yourself up to potentially uh, whether it's hacked or certainly hackers having access to very private details uh, that goes through in your emails. Yeah, be very careful. I mean, when you're sitting in public spaces and you're on public Wi-Fi, um, um, available public Wi-Fi, you know, the, the guys or the scamsters are sitting around you and, and often they're watching what passwords you're entering into the system. And uh, we, we, we are all unfortunately human, so we all save the same password. You know, my password for my bank account and for my login to my laptop's the same. And uh, once they've done that and they've, they've picked up what your, what your password is, they have access to, to all of your information. You know, they can, they can uh, access your bank accounts um, and they can start really cleaning you out. Um, and then obviously start impersonating you. So once they've, um, once they've cloned you and, uh, and your personality, um, you're in a, a lot of trouble when it comes to protecting your assets. 
Mm. We are taking your questions and comments at home as we talk about uh, real estate phishing scams. And I certainly want to hear from you at home if you've ever come across any of them. Perhaps you yourself have been scammed or you know somebody who has. How did you go about resolving it? And we've got a comment here coming through from one of our top fan gang members, Umata Shinani, saying, I've heard of of one horror story where one bought a house from a bogus agent, like a whole house paid in full. Then they couldn't move into the house because it wasn't even being sold. And and I mean, Mark, we were even talking off air about this exact scenario because I've also heard of something exactly like this. I think one of the big things then, Mark, is how do we go about spotting some of these scams? Because as you, you know, rightfully pointed out, um, you know, when you were talking to us, is that sometimes a lot of these scammers will know where in the transaction, in the property transaction you are, and then they'll send you a message saying that they're the conveyancing attorney, uh, even though they, they're not, and they'll give you this, you know, bank account. And obviously, as a normal, uh, you know, buyer, you wouldn't suspect anything untoward because they would have probably put it down on a company letterhead and whatnot. So how do we go about almost spotting um, if we are essentially being scammed or not? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the big thing is, is, and it's a cliche, but just be vigilant and double check everything. Now, the minute you get asked to pay money in any form to an account, double check that. You know? Is it the person that, that you think it is? Because an email is very simple to, to, um, uh, to scam and get involved in and, and, and change bank details. So pick up the phone, phone that conveyancing attorney, and double check that that, um, that that person and those bank details are actually valid or make use of, of facilities like Bias Trust where, you know, there's these safe options where deposits can be made. Um, yeah, that situation where the viewers is mentioned, I mean, that's really, really unfortunate. And, um, and you hear a lot of those horror stories. Again, nobody's ever going to ask you to make a payment to view a property. If they're doing that, you know, uh, alarm bells must go off and you must say to yourself, this isn't the way things, things need to be done. Um, you know, um, an estate agent must be registered with, with the Estate Agent Affairs Board. They must have a fidelity fund certificate. So double check those. That, that information is public and make sure that, um, that you're dealing with reputable agents. Otherwise, you end up in these situations where you can be compromised. And, um, and the other thing is, you know, that happens a lot when it comes to deposits, uh, deposits on, on rentals as well. You know, be vigilant with that and, um, and make sure that you're, that you're in the property when you're making those, those deposits um, for, for that property. Mm. You know, Mark, as you talk about deposit on rentals, you know, there's a, one of the buildings where I've bought into, there seems to be a recurring scam uh, and it's the same person who runs it every single year. Um, and oftentimes that particular building, it's largely, you know, a student building. There are some young professionals as well. So they know that round about that December, January period, it's fairly quiet because obviously students are not there. So new tenants would typically start in February. So what they would do, there are some owners who would leave their, you know, the key to their units with security. Um, because if there's somebody who wants to come view, then, you know, security is able to give them access to go up. So essentially there's person has now uh you know cracked that that is something that happens and is able to get access to a particular unit and will you know every year puts up the ad uh puts up the pictures and people come and they're able to physically view it it's empty and then they'll say that they're quite happy with it they pay this person a deposit 
only to find that actually that's not the rightful owner because um, obviously now they need to arrange essentially moving in. And so I think that's also something for tenants to be very aware of. Um, and, and I like the tip that you, you've given us, Mark, that you also just need to verify you know, the account that you are paying the money to. So it's either you can call up the convincing attorneys to verify that that is in fact their banking uh, details. But another thing, I mean, I, I know one of the banks that I bank with has that function where when you're paying somebody, you're able to essentially check if that is in fact their banking details. Uh, I think it's for a nominal amount, probably like less than 20 rands to just verify that that is essentially the correct account detail for that name. Because um, you sometimes find that people will give you the wrong name, but their account number is the same. So being able to verify small things like that, uh, you know, it may cost you an extra 20 rands, but you've essentially saved yourself quite a lot of money down the line. Now, we are taking more of your questions and comments at home. And we've got a comment here from... Uh, on Facebook saying regarding deposits, uh, is it possible and advisable to keep your deposit in your account until the sale goes through, then pay the seller directly or transfer it to the transferring attorney to receive on behalf of the seller? Yeah, um, no, so you can't, you can't keep it in your own account unless you raise a bank guarantee. And a bank guarantee is, is fairly costly. Um, so, you know, if, if uh, you're an affluent buyer, maybe that's a, an option for you. Um, the general way that you pay a deposit, and it's been traditionally the, the way it's been paid for, a, for buying a property over many, many years, is you transfer it into the, uh, the attorney's uh, conveyance or the conveyancing attorney's trust account. Um, and obviously, this is where this fraud kicks in, is where you know, they're impersonating the transfer attorney and you end up paying it into somebody's account that, that's not the transferring attorney. So be vigilant and double check that, that it is the transferring attorney. And um, you know, I mean, guys like us, like Uber, we've created a, a facility where buyers can pay money into a trust account, or sorry, into an account in their own name, and we store that money in, uh, in a safe environment uh, in buyer's trust. So, you know, that's an option that you guys must look into as well if you're a buyer, uh, where, where you can pay the money into an account in your own name that we create for you. I mean, obviously, the, the big dangers are make sure that everything is encrypted. So, yeah, that it's password protected when you're dealing with that you're receiving a, um, a one-time pin. These are the kind of protections that that we've created inside of the Buyer's Trust facility uh, with Uber. Mm. We've got another comment here. It's coming from Clarence Smith, who says, it's a sad reality that it most it mostly happens in the low to middle um, class areas. People need to know that an estate agent needs to produce an FFC when selling a property. Um, and, and I think it is one of those unfortunate things um, but as, as you know, we've, we've certainly picked up, uh, Mark, unfortunately, these scams don't only, uh, you know, affect, we'll say, lower LSM. I've seen people in high LSM easily also get scammed. I think more often than not, when you don't know the knowledge, you simply don't know it, uh, sort of regardless of which, uh, you know, where your tax bracket essentially is. I think one of the things we know about scammers is that they are equal opportunity scammers uh, more often than not, and they'll kind of spread their net as wide as possible and see who uh, they're able to catch in between. Yeah, Zaba, we've had incidents. I mean, um, we, we obviously deal closely with real estate and our real estate partners have brought this problem to, to, to us and said, you know, help us address this problem. And uh, yeah, you'd be very surprised. We've had massive amounts of fraud going on in big real estate transactions to the value of 5 million rand, as an example. So mm -hmm. it, it, it might be very prevalent in the, in the lower sort of um, 
uh, purchasing brackets. But you know, like you say, people don't discriminate. The bigger the number, the, the more sophisticated it becomes. Yeah, that is true. We've got a, a comment here coming from Mike uh, Addison. Uh, of course, we had him as a guest and he's saying that serious problem email hacking. Uh, it's difficult to spot. It's prevalent in sectional title environment. Agents, managing agents and schemes need, um, you know, commercial crime, cyber crime cover. Always double check and re-verify account numbers provided by email. Phone the company and confirm account numbers telephonically. Uh, because uh, unfortunately, this Thank is also one of the things... You know, if you're living in a sectional title community, it perhaps it can be, you know, being sent your, your levy statement and they just tweak the account number. Sometimes they might get wind of who lives in that particular sectional title community and say that they've now changed their banking details. So every time something like that happens, I always sort of verify, you know, did you in fact, you know, change the banking details? Um, because you don't know if that authentically comes from, of course, the managing agents or whoever you're dealing with on the other side. Yeah, I mean, these, these scamsters are exceptionally patient. So once they've hacked into uh, an email facility, they'll track the conversation over a long period of time and they'll time the, the scam to the perfect you know, uh, date and time of when a payment is actually due. So you know, as, a, as a human, you're, you know I'm supposed to be making this payment, the invoice arrives. And we just go about making that payment and trusting that those bank details are, are the ones that they should be. And, and you end up being scammed. So he's 100% right. You know, always double check that those bank details are accurate, validate them, and then make those payments. Mm. You know, Mark, earlier on, you mentioned something that I actually wanted to pick up on. You, you mentioned how one of the ways that we can potentially spot a, a scam is if an agent says that you should make a payment before you view uh, an apartment, and this is whether you're looking to rent or you're looking to buy, that's a scam. We don't see you know, instances where you need to pay for a viewing regardless of you know, renting or selling. I'm interested to hear from you because I, I know that a lot of agents have started um, asking people's FICA documents and wanting to first almost pre-qualify them, for example, when they are buying a property to see if they can afford a place before they even view the place. Uh, same with when people want to, for example, rent, they want your FICA documents almost up front before they arrange a viewing. How can viewers at home navigate that one? I mean, on the one hand, I'll say I understand potentially whether an agent and a serious agent is coming from, they want to deal with a serious buyer or you know somebody who's serious in terms of renting, but also from the consumer side, I'm not going to be handing over my FICA documents every time I want to view, you know, a new property, whether I'm buying it or looking to rent. Yeah, I mean, uh, the initial question is, should you be paying uh, money up front before you view a property? No, that's illegal. You know, if somebody's asking you to do that, they're, they're in breach of, um, of the regulations of the State Agency of Facebook, and, um, and, and, and that's completely illegal. So be very careful of that. And if they start fikering you before you've actually... Um, decided that you were going to start renting or buying that property again. Um, uh, you shouldn't be going through those, those processes. You should only, and FICA is, is, is vitally important. You have to be FICA'd. Um, it's part of the process of actually making sure that you are the person who's, who you say you are and that, you know, you are the person that's going to be able to buy and, um, and facilitate the rental. So, you know, that FICA process is absolutely paramount, but it must only happen once you've made the decision to actually um, buy that property you sign the offer to purchase, then the FICA process begins. Um, being FICA up front is, 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 is not quite the right way of doing things. 
Mm-mm-mm. We've got a question coming from Glad Shirinda asking, is it right or legal for a homeowners association to charge agents a fee to gain access in selling properties in an estate uh, or to get an accreditation? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I suppose um, we, I'm not an expert there, but I can tell you that a lot of the estates have memberships that you, that the agents have to um, have to become part of. So, you know, some of the estates don't want a huge number of estate agents working inside of that development, so they have to register and pay some fees to, to remain on the roll to actually um, show, show potential buyers properties inside of that estate. So, you know, I know that is a practice that does certainly happen, um, and, um, yeah, seems to be common, pra- common practice. Mm. Now, Mark, you know, we, we've certainly looked at what, what these scams are, the various ways that they can manifest and how we can go about spotting them. So how can we then go about safeguarding ourselves? Because I'm, I'm sure there are probably now people who are slightly anxious about, you know, their phones or even, you know, your, your laptop and what might be out there. But how do we best safeguard ourselves so that we don't fall victim to some of these scams? I mean, Zama, when, you, when you're making a, a property purchase and you get asked to pay a deposit for that deposit, make sure that you're dealing with a reputable um, number, firstly, estate agent, and number two, that you know that and trust that uh, conveyancing attorney that's handling that process. The other o- obvious way to make sure that, um, that you're paying a deposit um, and that that deposit is safe is to utilise facilities like Buyers Trust. Um, Uber's created a separate business called Buyers Trust and the sole purpose of that business is to make sure that buyer's deposits are safe from phishing, guaranteed that they're kept there in a facility that is um, yeah, untouchable uh, by fraudsters. So, you know, look, uh, um, Google www.buyerstrust.co.za, have a look and see it, or make contact with us and, and we'll take you, the, take you through that process. If you're a buyer and you're about to make that property um, deposit, you know, look into facilities like that where we've used technology to, uh, to ensure that email communication where bank details are, are passed between parties is, um, it, it doesn't happen. All of the communication happens on the platform itself. So, you know, we, we, we have two facilities inside of Buyers Trust. The one is an app that, uh, that a buyer can download and then all communication happens on platform inside of that app. And the other one is, a, is inside of a, a web link. And again, all of these, when you get asked to make a payment, if we know who you are, yeah, you're the one that's passworded to, to receive the information. And, and you, you know, Mark, I certainly also just want to hear from you on perhaps how renters can also go about safeguarding, um, you know, themselves, because I think they're also unfortunately fall victim to some of these uh, scams. And I think when we look at renters, there are usually so many, I'll say, upfront costs that they sometimes worry if, you know, they are valid or not valid, you know, admin fees and all kinds of costs. So how can people who are in the rental market then also say best safeguard themselves uh, against some of these scams? I'm going to be cheeky and tell them that they should be buying now because the property market is (laughs) really... uh, Playing in their favour. The no, company. Mark, we're going to let them rent because if everybody buys, who's going to be renting from those of us who own property? So, of course, we must have renters. Uh, so, yeah, how can the renters save themselves? Through the property chain. But, yeah, I mean, rentals are, are a very difficult and different animal. I mean, you've got to 
understand that there's such a, a lot of demand for one specific property. So, um, you know, there's scamsters out there that are, are, are preying off that. And, you know, when your, your lease comes to an end and you're really desperate to find another property, you end up doing things that you, you probably shouldn't. So, you know, that is a, an area where a lot of these things, um, uh, skullduggery is happening. And, um, and make sure, first and foremost, that, you, that you're checking on platforms that are reputable, that, that validate that that property is for rent. And uh, you guys as private property do a particularly good job. Um, you know, you validate that every single property that is for rent is actually available and for rent, so you're safeguarding your your, um, your property shoppers to a degree uh, when, uh, through the process of, of looking on private property. But then the second part is, you know, if you're looking through an estate agent, make sure that that estate agent is uh, is a qualified agent that you know who they are, that you've you've done your your sort of referral um, homework, and you know you've made sure that if you're working with this somebody that they that you can associate them back to somebody else you've been referred by somebody. You know that this agent is is good and is not going to take advantage of you and, um, and, and then just be also be vigilant. Don't, don't go and um, pick up keys and, and view properties with a, a security guard. You know, when those sort of things start happening, um, you're, you're, yeah, if it's too good to be true, it generally is. That's the rule that, that I would certainly follow. Mm. We've got a comment here from Clarence Smith saying, on the FICA documents issue, it's more for security. Uh, it's more of a security issue. Estate agents have become easy targets for criminals to rob them, etc. Um, and, and, and that's also just one of the unfortunate things uh, when you you know live in South Africa and the, the the nature of the crime that we have. I've also heard of quite a number of horror stories from some state agents, especially estate agents who are women and how they've had to almost run their business slightly differently in order for them to remain safe. Uh, because more often than not, when you, of course, doing viewings, it's you and the potential client that uh, is there. And, and some of these properties might be in relatively remote parts of town uh, or it's, you know, a bit quiet. So you also want to make sure that you're as safe as possible. Yeah, we've, we've, we've heard these horror stories where um, people take advantage of estate agents where they're, you know, showing off a property by themselves. So, yeah, just be very careful. If you're an estate agent, you know, don't do a show house by yourself. Make sure that you've, you've got people around you. Um, and that um, use the pre-qualification processes as well, you know. Um, Uber and, and your bond originator will be able to pre-qualify your buyer um, and be able to, to validate that this person is actually shopping. They can they can buy a property and they are who they say they are. Um, yeah, it definitely does sort that out, but, yeah approach the FICA situation later to actually validate that they're not politically influenced and that, um, you know, that they are the person that they say they are. Mm. Mark, before I let you go, any final tips for our, any final tip rather for our viewers uh, at home? I know that there are a lot of them who are either going to be buying new properties or certainly, you know, moving out of home, perhaps renting your own property. So we definitely want to make sure that we're as vigilant as possible because we would have worked this hard to you know, take that next step uh, in our property journey? Yeah, um, so everything we've said already, if it's too good to be true, it's, it generally is. You know, stay away from bargains where, where people are asking you to pay deposits and, um, and, and where the price is way lower than you think the rest of the market is. These are things that you've got to really be careful of. But um, before you pay anybody anything, double check that uh, bank details are valid Use facilities um, that are available, um, you know, through your bond originators like Uber. Um, you know, we've, we've got the buyer's trust facility, so that's the perfect way to store your deposit safely. Um, check it up. 
Um, and then just, yeah, ask questions and, and, and take the process slowly. Don't, don't feel like you rushed into something and that you're pressurized into something that, um, you know, making payments that you shouldn't be. Where your sixth sense is always, is always the one that you've got to follow, you know. Um, if you're feeling uneasy, put the brakes on and, and do your investigation and, um, and, uh, and, and just take it slowly. You know? if, you've, if you're dealing with somebody, they, they won't rush you into something. If you're dealing with somebody reputable, they'll, they'll help you through that process. Mm. Well, Mark, that's a great place to leave it at. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you, Zama. And that is Mark Katia, who's the head of group acquisition at Uber Home Loans. And I do hope that you found the tips insightful and that you're going to be extra vigilant going forward on your property journey. That's it from us at the Private Property Podcast with myself, Zamantungwa Kumalo, and the rest of the team. We'll be back on your screens tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Well, I do not leave you alone. It is a Tuesday, so Umbali Noko will be coming to your screens at 8 p.m. with the Farming Podcast. Until then, hoping you're staying home and staying safe.